Here's the new Cold War podcast with Edward Lucas. The coronavirus is putting the global security order under unprecedented strain. But as I wrote in my weekly column for Europe's Edge on the SEPA website in April 2020, it may also prompt a much-needed rethink. The state's job is to manage the risks that the rest of us cannot bear, protecting us from crime and external aggression are the core ones, but as we're realising now, public health is another. A welcome effect of the current pandemic has been to consign anti-vaccine cranks, homeopaths and state-hating libertarians to the sidelines. There's nothing like an emergency to remind people of the importance of collective security. But a deeper effect is to make us rethink what we mean by that security and who should provide it. The first instinct in times of crisis is to retreat to what we know, national governments and personal connections. But these are insufficient. Big threats require collective action. After an initial descent into national responses, we see the European Union and NATO getting their act together, albeit partially and belatedly. Big questions surround other multilateral bodies, notably the World Health Organization. Taiwan warned the WHO about the virus outbreak at the end of December, but the UN's health watchdog is under the thumb of the communist regime in Beijing, which insists that everyone treat the other Chinese state as a pariah. Scandalously, Taiwan's warnings went unheeded. So one big result of the crisis will be to put a bigger premium on competence. Political rhetoric can fire up our spirits, but when it comes to our safety, we prefer our decision-makers to be effective. I would not want to be making the case right now for a hard, principled, damn-the-consequences Brexit, nor would I want to campaign on America first. The pandemic has underlined that we live in an interconnected world, pathogens do not care about borders, and they do not listen to politicians. But the broader effect would be to make us think about how we price risk. In recent decades, efficiency and convenience have trumped every other consideration. From that point of view, just-in-time supply chains and the gig economy look sensible. Spare capacity should be there only if the price mechanism signals that it's necessary. That works fine when the weather's sunny. Why waste money on a roof when it doesn't rain? But, as we are now discovering, storms do come, and with terrifying ferocity. Cheese-pairing critics used to say, for example, that in an era of robot warfare, the British Army was way too big. Why pay soldiers to be truck drivers, construction engineers and warehousemen? It's a waste of money. Well, now the Army has built one of the biggest hospitals in Britain in a matter of days. Army logistics teams are delivering oxygen and patching other holes in our health service. Nobody's complaining about that. What people are complaining about is a lack of masks, goggles and testing equipment. Tiny investments a few months ago would have made a big difference now. Every country is going to need to rethink resilience in terms of physical stockpiles, institutional cohesion and training for emergencies. We could learn a lot from Finland here. Some of these priorities may come at the expense of bits of the defence budget, big-ticket weapon systems in particular. Nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers will be vulnerable when the crisis abates. But the shift in public perceptions will broadly be welcome. The fragility of our economic, information, social and technological systems is a tempting target for adversaries. The same changes that will help us prepare better for the next pandemic will also help us deal better with what some call hybrid warfare, 
the toxic cocktail of subversion, corruption and propaganda used by adversaries such as Russia and China. We should treat the pandemic as a huge whole-of-society, international, real-life readiness exercise. Yes, we're making mistakes, but I hope we will learn from them. This is Edward Lucas with the New Cold War podcast. You can find more about me, my books and other publications at edwardlucas.com or follow me on Twitter at Edward Lucas. This has been a homegrown media production. For more on the New Cold War, please visit edwardlucas.com.